Now, back to InfoTrack. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. A recent RAND Corporation study reveals that about 2 in 10 U.S. school districts have already adopted, plan to adopt, or are considering adopting virtual schools after the end of the COVID-19 pandemic. Heather Schwartz is lead author of the report and director of the Pre-K-12 Educational Systems Program at RAND. Heather, welcome to the show. When you surveyed the school district leaders, what reasons did they give for adopting virtual schools beyond the end of the pandemic? The main reasons that the superintendents and charter management organization leaders cited were related to family and student demand. So they were citing things like students wanting more flexibility or students having diverse array of needs and also maintaining student enrollment, which is, we know, a big concern for districts during covid as they've been seeing some potentially distressing signs of reduced enrollment, especially in early grades. Now, what about those who said they didn't plan to continue virtual education? What reasons did they give? Well, the way we structured the survey, they didn't give reasons. We instead asked superintendents and these charter management organization directors to say, what innovative practices have you started during COVID-19? that you're considering adopting for the future years, even after the pandemic has passed. And so they wrote in their own answers. The most common answers they wrote in related to remote learning. But there were several other types of practices that they wrote in, whether it be about changing schedules, changing the way staff are paid, changing some instructional practices. But the majority of the comments that they wrote in related to some variant on remote instruction. Did they discuss problems that occurred due to remote learning? Well, they certainly have many, many concerns about remote learning. And that's why it was a tiny bit surprising to see that virtual schools emerged as the most common type of innovation that district leaders are considering or already have decided to keep after the pandemic is over. But some of the concerns that we're hearing from superintendents and we're hearing very loud and clear from teachers is that there's still a lot of tech problems. There are still a lot of students who lack internet access at home and a dedicated device. There's a big lack of quality instructional materials. So a lot of teachers are writing their own lessons, doing it on the fly, or adapting curricula that isn't really designed for online instruction, which is a different kind of animal than face-to-face instruction. What about districts where there was a majority of minority students, black, Hispanic students? Was there a different result with those? Yeah, it was those districts, and we call them focus districts in our report, the districts where either the majority of students qualify for free or reduced price lunch or the majority of students are black or Hispanic. In those districts, they tended to say, hey, our top needs, because they were we asked them to rank a whole long list of needs and say how high a priority are these needs. They tended to rank the basics, what we're calling the basics, internet access, devices at home for students to do remote learning. Those districts were the ones who said, we still need this. This is still a great need for us. That was less of a need in districts where less than half of the kids qualify for free or reduced price meal, or less than half of the students are black or Hispanic. In those districts, the ones that I'm calling more affluent districts, um, it's a wide array of districts that I'm talking about here. In those districts, they tended to say, hey, we really need high quality instructional materials, that's our greatest need, and student mental health. 
student mental health was the universal claim from all of these districts. Whether majority, minority or not, student mental health definitely came through loud and clear as a top need. We're talking with Heather Schwartz, who is lead author of a RAND Corporation study of schools wanting to continue or adopt virtual learning. One of the common concerns that your study found was students' social and emotional learning needs. Just talk about that. That seems like that wouldn't be possible with virtual schools. Not necessarily. There are ways to address students' social and emotional learning through remote instruction. But yes, you're right that really what they're saying is, hey, we're very concerned about students' social and emotional health. And really, they might be talking about mental health there. They might also be talking about skills like how to relate to others, how to identify your own emotions, how to identify other people's emotions, how to regulate your emotions. All of those types of skills fall under this broad moniker called social and emotional learning. Yes, there are ways to teach it both face-to-face and remotely, but the remote learning is where there's much less content developed for teachers than face-to-face. So that's where there's the dearth, is high-quality content that's linked to standards that teachers can use, whether it's in academic subjects or social and emotional learning. That's our top recommendation is that we need to continue the acceleration of high-quality instructional content for remote learning, especially if these virtual schools are going to become a staple of the public schooling landscape. Heather, I assume your study didn't touch on this, but what are your thoughts on parents' reaction to virtual learning? Well, in the media, what we see is that it's been pretty unpopular, And again, that's kind of what was a little surprising about these superintendents' responses is saying, hey, families are demanding this. But I should clarify here, we saw no comments where superintendents said, we're going to go all virtual, you know, and all students must do virtual schools post-pandemic. I don't think that that's really what they're contemplating. Instead, the way I read these comments is that this would be one option among many. So imagine a district where there's 20 schools perhaps there would be one K-12 virtual school added to the mix. And so a minority of parents and students who prefer it could continue to enroll in it. Like I say, I don't think that this is a sign that students are going to start to convert from face-to-face learning in public education and all shift over to virtual schools. Instead, I think this means there's now a foothold for virtual schools post-pandemic, It will become one of options, but still one that serves the minority, not the majority of families and children. Heather Schwartz, lead author of the report that we've been discussing here about schools adopting or planning to adopt virtual schools even after the pandemic is over. Heather, we want to thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. You're listening to InfoTrack, a production of Syndication Networks of Chicago.